guys, it was so funny. In the middle of the conversation, Molly just comes in the room and just drops the bones so hard. All, of course, on my hardwood floors. So apologies, guys, if you can hear it in the episode. Oh, my God. No, you're fine. She literally... It was such a good combo, Molly. Just Mike dropped the com- like the bone because it was such a great combo. <laughs> she right at the end too. She's just like Mike drop. She was like, "This was fire." Period. Everyone needs to listen. <laughs> Everyone needs to listen. And it was so funny. I turned around and looked at her, and she just looks at me smiling as if she did the just the perfect thing. And I'm like, "Of course you did." It's so wonderful to see your face, Molly. I love you. Oh my gosh, she's so cute. (laughs) So adorable. Bear is here too. He's quite smelly, I'll be honest. We are shaving all of his fur, which we do every single summer um, because he's a golden retriever and Bear just has the thickest fur. He literally looks like a bear if you haven't seen him. And he's so fluffy. So when he is, if he still has his fur in the summer, he gets hot spots every summer. And then also... He just is a smelly little river monster, which they literally look like. I go to the park every single day with them and hike two to three miles. And they just look like little river monsters because we go to the river first and they just like swim around and bear looks like a little alligator chomping, <laughs> chomping the water and everything. Oh, they're so entertaining. Oh my God, that's so cute. They're little river rats. <laughs> they are little river rats. Oh, my too. I love them so much. But we had such a fire conversation. Oh, my goodness. And Amanda is just such a cool entrepreneur. You guys are going to absolutely love this conversation. I found it so liberating. I saw her website and it says at the top of it, and we talk about this in the episode, three spots available for 2020. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I need to get on her level. No, for real. She is booked and busy and she is just, yeah, the whole conversation was so inspiring. We talked through telling how people can tell a good brand story and, you know, things people should be doing to create a high converting website for themselves. So, so many good tangible, tangible things that takeaways from this episode. Definitely. And I feel like this episode is perfect for anyone who has a website, which if you're a small business owner or an entrepreneur or thinking about becoming an entrepreneur, you will have a website. So there's a lot of good information and a lot of good takeaways that she gives us. Um, And it even makes me want to go back and revisit the Flourish website and the Dean Street Law website too. So it's a really good episode and I'm excited for you guys to listen in. Let's get into it. Welcome, everyone, to the Flourish We Grow Together podcast. This is Laura DeFrancesco, founder and CEO of Flourish Coworking Space and Dean Street Law. Flourish is a lush, sustainable, inspiring space to host events and co-work headquartered in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and now worldwide with the We Grow Together podcast and our online community and courses. So more than anything, Flourish is a community, and we are so happy to have you here with us and so happy for you 
to grow together with us. I'm here with our co-hosts, Lindsay and Casey. Hey everyone, it's Lindsay, the co-founder of Flourish. And I am Casey, the community manager of Flourish. And we are so, so excited to be chatting with Amanda Berg of Amanda Berg Design Studio here in Philadelphia. Amanda, I would love for you to introduce yourself to everyone. Yeah, sure. So I am a um, website designer and copywriter uh, in Philadelphia, as you said. And I work with a lot of female creatives and entrepreneurs just to help them build a beautiful branded uh, online space that helps them convert. That's amazing. And your Instagram is so beautiful. Everyone should definitely go check it out. I'm curious, um, just reading a little bit on your website and stuff, I saw that you have a background in journalism and stuff like that. Can you talk a little bit about your background and how that's kind of led you to do what you're doing today? Yeah, so I I do have a pretty unique story. I started um, as a journalist. I was a journalist for six years. Um, So I covered a lot of uh, feature pieces, but a lot of news stuff as well. And um, I would have a lot of business owners in my inbox that wanted me to, you know, write an article about their business and help them promote it. And I noticed that a lot of the graphics that they were using were awful. (laughs) And I just being a visual person, like was kind of feeling icky about putting this ugly graphic, like next to a beautiful article I had just written. So I started just designing graphics um, really just as a, as a hobby for free, just for something to do, just because I felt like it was needed. And um, then I started an Etsy shop selling um, custom design services, mainly uh, logos and like social media packs for uh, small businesses. And I made my first sale like three days after launching. And um, I've just, I tried to manage both for as long as I, as I could. And um, the design stuff just kind of grew beyond what I was able, you know, to just do with an Etsy shop. So um, now we offer website design and, and copywriting as well. That's amazing. And I feel like that's, it's honestly something that I think a lot of businesses need help with, you know, because we're not always good at everything, you know, maybe we're really good at operations, but our creative side lacks. So I think it's, it's so awesome to have, you know, people like you who specialize as a resource for, for businesses, because it is really, really important to make sure you're nailing down all those different aspects. Um, so how do you currently work with customers? What do you usually work with your clients on? Um, the main thing that we focus on is website design. That's always been, um, ever since I started introducing it, at least in the business, that's been my number one thing that I love. And I think it's because it combines visual and messaging, which is a way that I can get to do both. Um, But we do offer, you know, copywriting and branding uh, kind of more as add-on services anytime uh, someone finds that they need help with the copy on their website or they need help with the branding and the logos and visuals of the website. Um, But we, we really thrive, I feel like, on website design. I'm curious, what do you feel like are the foundations or the building blocks or maybe even like a couple of really good tips when someone is building out a website or looking for someone to help them build out their website? Like what are a couple of really important key points to like really hit the nail on the head with? Um, I think it kind of all starts with messaging. I mean, you have to know who your ideal client is. Uh, You have to know how to talk to them. And I think there are so many you know, beautiful websites and beautiful website templates out there. 
And then when you actually read the words that are on them, you know, you don't connect. So I think that's a, a huge way that you can stand out is if you really hone in on your ideal client um, and who they are, how you serve them, how you help them reach that solution that they're craving. Um, and then the rest of the design can kind of fall around the messaging. Um, I think so often people focus, like I said, on the design and then try and write words to fill the spaces. Um, and, and really they, they go hand in hand. So you want to make sure, of course, that you always have calls to action. You don't want to make, you don't want to make it difficult for someone to get in touch with you or to purchase from you. Um, you always want to have something right up at the top that I called an elevator pitch, you know, someone, something that says exactly what you do, who you serve, um, how they can work with you. Um, and just making it really easy for someone to navigate around the website and always have a next step. That's another thing. So often we'll scroll to the bottom of a, a page and there's nothing for us to do. There's no direction. And people really need that. They need you to kind of guide them through your site. Uh, so lots of lots of clear calls to actions are, are good ways to do that. That's so cool. And one of my biggest takeaways when I read the book, story brand build a story brand i think by donald miller yes. was oh have you read that book yes i love it yeah we build all of our sites around that framework just it's so good oh so cool yeah and one of the biggest takeaways is that you should be able to tell within five seconds of seeing a website what they do and whether you want it basically yeah exactly and the thing is is so like so few entrepreneurs do that that when you do that, you really let you stand out. Um, and it's such a simple thing, like just putting who I serve, what I do, just in one sentence, short and sweet, right up at the top. And um, it just lets people know they're in the right place and whether they even want to keep scrolling to check out more. So um, yeah, more people need to do that on their website for sure. I love it. And there, and you build websites and everybody, I feel like sees the beautiful work that you have, but there's so much that goes behind that into building the brand, building the identity, building the design and the copy and the voice and everything like that. Can you share and walk us through what a client experience would be like and what you're doing behind the scenes to build all of those things out? Yeah. So, I mean, design is super important. It's definitely what, you know, piques someone's interest, but I think the words on the site are what keeps them staying there and what makes them want to click that button and contact you or book a call or whatever that call to action looks like. Um, and I, I just think it's just so important to focus on that messaging first. And I know that copy is probably the least sexy part of a website design experience, but um, it's really, really important. So we always focus on um, messaging first because that can even determine what the branding is going to look like if a client needs branding as well. So we get to the heart of who that ideal client is um, and what you uniquely um, service them with, what's, what sets you apart from your competition, and then build the, the branding and the website all around that. So our clients typically work with us from like two to eight weeks um, on that entire experience. But 
Um, I, I'm really proud that we can offer all of those things because it, it's a lot of work to source, you know, a brand designer, a copywriter, a website designer, and then trust that all of them are going to have the same perspective or same understanding of what you do and, and who you're trying to reach. Um, so we have, um, I have a couple girls that work with me and we're all experts in different areas so that we can really um, bring someone's vision to life. Oh, that is so cool. And diving deeper into that, you said building out messaging, building out branding, and then building the website itself. So when you're starting to work with someone on messaging per se, how are you diving deep into that with them? Well, I have a, um, a questionnaire and it really goes through the the building a story brand framework, just because it is so great. Um, I definitely recommend reading that book. Sometimes I'll even buy it for clients and have it sent to them before we work together, just because it's such a good thing to have. And um, we don't write any other copy besides website copy. That's really what we focus on. Um, and knowing the, that framework can really help someone in writing emails and marketing copy and all of that. But um, we have a, an in-depth questionnaire that goes through that framework. And then we hop on a call. We call it a project kickoff call. It's usually about an hour long, sometimes even longer. And I record that call and we really go through the questionnaire, which seems kind of counterproductive to go through it again. But the second time I'm kind of reading over that questionnaire, I'm listening to how they speak and different words they use and their tone, because I want all of the copy that I write to sound like them. So um, recording that call and kind of going through everything is is a big piece of that because so many people write um, in a super like professional corporate kind of way and they speak totally different. And I think having a good conversational tone on your website um, is so important in connecting with that client and feeling like a real person and not feeling so stiff. So uh, recording that is is a big piece of that. I love how personalized your process is. I think that that's amazing and just really great for every person to keep in mind when they're creating something. It doesn't necessarily need to sound very like stale and professional if that's not how they are in, in real life. I really love that advice. I'm curious um, for people who are starting their brand, what do you, I'm going to, we'll link the the book that we're speaking about in the show notes so people can check that out too. But what do you feel like are some, some tips for people to start developing their own brand story? How can they get in touch with what that looks like for them? Um, I think so often people kind of focus on themselves a little too much and what they like and colors that they're attracted to and visuals they're attracted to. And it's really not about you. And I think that's a big piece of story brand as well as, you know, it's about your client. Your client is the hero of your story. So um, we do uh, research into finding out what that ideal client likes and what they're interested in and what they're going to find appealing so that the messaging and the branding um, and the, the website design, you know, take on that shape and appeal to that person. Um, and we really like to take the client out of it as much as possible so that they can focus on something that their client is going to love. And we do that even in writing, in like writing the about page. You know, so often people think the about page is about them. And it's really about how you serve your client. 
or what makes you special or um, how you uniquely serve your client. So even in writing the about page, we're making sure that we're catering it to what that ideal client uh, needs and wants to know. That's amazing. Um, I'm also curious, you spoke a little bit and you, you talked about some of these earlier, but when you are starting to work with a client and you're looking at their website and maybe you guys are you know, redoing some things, what are some common mistakes you see with business websites? Just because we do have a lot of small business owners listening. So I'm just you know, curious for them listening, how they can kind of check what they're doing on their own website right now. Um, yeah, a lot of entrepreneurs do kind of the same, the same things. And I don't know if it's just like, just kind of a doing what we've been told and not really thinking about, you know, what we really should be doing, but people make it so hard for people to get a hold of them on their website. And I think it's a fear of, of selling or, or feeling like selling is sleazy and, People don't want to just come out and say, hey, I want you to book a call with me or I want you to book now. And uh, just making those calls to action, they don't need to be like everywhere, but just having them, you know, top right corner where someone's eyes would naturally go, um, you know, at the end of a, a paragraph about your services, having a button that says, hey, book a call with me. This is the next step. And it seems like it would be intuitive that someone would know what the next step is, but we really need to guide someone through the website and tell them uh, what we want them to do, or they won't do anything. Um, a lot of the times people don't have an easy to use navigation. It's, it's hidden, it's hard to get to, buttons don't work. And that, um, that just kind of turns a lot of people off if you haven't made it easy to talk to you and to get a hold of you not having that elevator pitch, describing exactly what you do right on your homepage. Um, and I'm not sure if that's, um, again, someone just thinking it's intuitive, like obviously I'm a, a website designer, like you guys should know that from being on my site. Or if it's, I don't know, I'm not sure why why people are so afraid. Maybe they, they don't know how to sum up what they do in a sentence because they feel like they do so much. And obviously you do, you do a lot for your clients, but you have to be able to sum up like why they should care. And if they're in the right place, right, right up at the top. Another thing is people don't let their clients know what the process is going to look like. And, you know, especially if you're in a creative field, like I am, so many people have never hired a website designer before. So if I'm able to list out my process in a couple easy steps and makes it feel very easy to work with me and not like it's going to be this scary, intimidating process that can help move someone um, towards contacting me as well. Those are such great tips. Thank you. I think that that's all such good thing for you know businesses to keep in mind. Um, I'm also super interested on your Instagram. You talked a little bit about you know when businesses on their website, it's kind of like they're doing too much. And then it confuses the consumer because it's like, okay, if you're doing so much, like how can you really be an expert in one thing? I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, this is um, a touchy subject. I think even on that post, I got some kind of backlash from that because people don't want to pick one thing and just stick to it. Um, and I understand we're, you know, as creatives and entrepreneurs, we're all super multi-passionate and love a bunch of different things. 
Um, but it, it does make it really hard for someone to grasp what it is you can do and if you can help them when you have so many different ways that someone can work with you. And I see this a lot with photographers. They'll do like weddings, engagements, family, maternity, newborn, brand photography, and they, they don't become known for any one thing because they do everything. And when you do a lot of different things, you get a lot of budget people that just, they have a low budget and they're just budget shopping. They're just price shopping and they're not looking for an expert in anything. Um, and you don't tend to get a lot of recommendations or referrals because other people that are not in your industry don't know what you do. So if you don't know what you do, then other people definitely don't either. So um, it's just really important to find that niche um, and it doesn't have to be that you only serve a, a certain person. It can be um, your process. You know, your process is unique in, in what you offer. Um, that's kind of my niche. I do website and copywriting. I don't know anyone else that does website design and copywriting because they're so different. So a lot of the reasons that people hire me is like, you're, you can design a beautiful website, but you also are able to write all of the words that go in it too. So I just think you have to find, um, you know, combine your expertise and what people are looking for and find that sweet spot in the market. You can, of course, always expand to include um, passive income streams and, and different things like that. But I think especially when you're just starting out, it's so important to find that one thing and just become known for it. You can target all of your content, your blog posts, your email marketing, um, the copy on your website, and it's all geared towards one thing and one person. And instead of, you know, trying to, how do I talk to a bride and to a business owner and to a new mom all on my Instagram when I'm trying to market to all these different people. So I think it just makes things in business so much more streamlined, so much easier for you as well as your client when they're trying to figure out if you're the right person for them. I love that. I think that's really great advice. And I think also it's like a level of trust that the consumer has when you're kind of, you know, working within your niche. Because like you said, if you're doing all these kinds of different things, I think that, you know, it can be confusing for the customer. Um, so I really, I really think that that's great advice. Do you have tips for people to kind of identify what their niche should be if you're working with someone who kind of has a little bit too much going on on their website? I would say to focus in on what people are actually buying. You know, I, I think so many people tend to focus in again on what they like and what they enjoy. And of course, you know, life has to be like that. But when you're running a business, you really have to figure out what are people purchasing from me? What are people interested in seeing from me? And as much as I loved you know, designing little social media graphics, you know, people always came to me for copywriting. That was something that they knew that I did well. And so they thought of me whenever they thought of, hey, I need help writing my resume or I need help writing an essay for college. It was, you know, even back to when I was younger in school, that was something that people always associated with me. So talking about it feels super natural and it comes easy and people have always been interested in investing in, in me for that service. So I think it's just finding out what, what people are interested in and what feels supernatural. And instead of, you know, developing this 
ideal client, you know, this mythical creature that you want to work with. Instead, look at the people that are actually purchasing and just talk to them, ask them, hey, what made you want to work with me? Why did you decide that I was the right person? And then build your business and kind of cater around what is selling and what's, what's making you successful. My mind is just turning on so many different fronts right now. This is like such good information because it just you, you saying like, it's not about you. It's about your customer. Like seriously sparks so many like different thoughts now that you're saying that. Um, and I think that something that I, so I built the flourish website and I've never actually built a website before then, but um, something that I think is really interesting that you mentioned was catering towards your audience. So making it sure that there's a path for them to figure out what they need to do. And, um, and this is just like such helpful information. Now I feel like I need to go back and relook at every single thing. <laughs> And I, I think it's, I'm glad you're saying that. I'm glad it's it's meaning something to someone because I think I can sometimes be the, the bearer of bad news and that, hey, you should do what's making you money and you should stop talking about yourself so much and copywriting is really important and all these like terrible things that people don't want to hear. But I think if, you know, the the ideal situation is that we want ultimate freedom in our business, right? We want to be able to... Um, you know, rest when we want to or need to. We want to be able to take time off. We want to be able to create our own schedule. And all of that freedom can only come from a place of strategy in the beginning. And so, you know, centering my business around the things that were making me money, although it felt like it took some of my freedom away and my freedom of of choice and what I wanted to do, it's allowed me to scale my business to the point where now I have girls working for me that can do some of the pieces that maybe I don't need my hand in every second. And now I'm able, you know, to do the the projects that I really want to. Um, so I think if freedom is the ultimate goal, we just have to kind of take a step back and figure out what is a hobby? What's something that I just love and what's actually making me money and, and figure out what that separation is. I absolutely love that and just have to dive into that more. So we're going to like do a little detour here because I saw on your website and I've seen this on multiple designers websites that you book out a month or two in advance and you have a certain amount of spots open, you know, on your website, it says right now that you have three start dates open for 2020. And I think honestly, as a service provider, I see that, you know, I'm a corporate attorney and I I have a lot of clients that call me and quote unquote have an emergency and need this done tomorrow and yet it's something that they've known about for months. And so I see that as a service provider and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, she is so bold and this is epic." Where is that something that's just typical in the design space similar to like how photographers book themselves out or how can you share more of the background of that? Well, I mean, I didn't get to that kind of place until, you know, probably this year. Um, and that, I think a big piece of that was 
really streamlining my process. Um, I had a challenge where I just wrote down, you know, timing every single thing that I did for, uh, I think it was two weeks, you know, every single minute of where my, my work time went. And I noticed how many times that I was switching tasks and I was working on things that like just felt good to do, but like I didn't need to do like sending a contract or sending an invoice. Like I would be so excited when I booked a new project that I wanted to be the one to like press send on the invoice, but like it it really didn't matter. And when I was able to automate my process as much as possible, and I was able to take out all of that, that time that I was just sucking away, um, I was able to focus on the things that really matter and that are, you know, making me money. And I found that it took me a lot less time to complete projects when I knew where my time was going. And I, you know, I, I used to do 10 websites a month last year and I got to a place of, of burnout. Like I can't, I, when, when I realized that I didn't enjoy working on my business anymore, I knew that something was wrong because I know that I love what I do. And if I'm starting to resent it because I'm wasting my time and I'm working with clients that only see dollar signs and only are working with a budget. Um, you know, I, I knew something needed to change. So um, I streamlined my process a lot. Um, I used to offer unlimited revisions. <laughs> um, you know, just like little things like that, that I, I wasn't having boundaries with myself or with my clients and making those changes. I found that I've just started to attract a lot of the right people instead. And like you said, with, um, with, you know, people having a a last minute emergency, like it's not an emergency. (laughs) Like they're just saying that. Um, and, and you know, that it's not an emergency. And I just feel like making yourself an authority and, and telling clients what they need instead of letting them tell you and kind of fitting all of your clients through your process. Um, I, I just think that's so, so important. And boundaries have been a huge lesson for me. And I think they are for a lot of creatives, especially when you work from home and um, you can eat kind of all of your time away working and doing, you know, meaningless things. Um, But I, you know, I like, what's the right word? I just want to know like where my, where my money is coming from and how much money I'm going to make every month. And when I'm scheduling projects and I'm having a call today, that's going to start on Monday I just can't, I can't manage my time. Um, I can't manage my finances. I can't manage any of that. So, um, you know, I just decided I'm taking four projects every month and I'm not taking any more. And when the dates fill, the dates fill. And then I know that, hey, all my dates are full. I can raise my prices or I can move to, you know, the next stage of my business. So um I just think having those boundaries with yourself, like this is how much I'm going to work this month and I'm not working anymore. Um, And I think clients respect that. Like they want to be able to email you and say, hey, I need this done right this second. But I think the right clients really respect when you have a streamlined process um, and they, it's a sense of trust again, that they feel like, wow, she really knows what she's doing. I feel comfortable giving her thousands of dollars for my project because her process is so organized. That makes so much sense. Can you share a little bit about how you streamlined your process? 
Well, I think a big piece of that was not offering unlimited revisions. Um, it, it made projects uh, drag on so much longer. And that was a big complaint that I had seen from um, clients before they worked with me. They would say, hey, you know, I was working with a website designer and she said that the project was going to take four weeks and it took 14 weeks because I never knew when stuff was due. Uh, she never, you know, she didn't work every day. I never knew when I was going to get my next page or my next proof. And the launch process was super difficult. And so I just kind of built my process around all of those complaints. So um, now I only offer one revision. So I design a homepage. I offer one revision. I make those changes. I design the rest of the site. I offer one revision. I make the changes and then I get them set up for launch. I have set due dates so they know exactly when homework is due um, before a project can start. If they don't get the homework done on time, the project doesn't start. And that's that's clear from you know the consultation call to the contract to the project kickoff call. They know that um, they know what is expected of them at all points and they know what to expect of me. I tell them exactly when they're going to get an email from me or a proof or a next page. Um, and so they get excited because they know like, Hey, on June 30th, I'm getting this and they get it and they receive it in their inbox. And I think having that trust and them knowing that I'm going to create something that they're going to love and that I'm so confident in my process that they're only going to need one revision. I think that's so settling for for someone that they know like, hey, five weeks from now, my website is going to be live. And she knows what she's doing so much that I'm not going to need to ask for a million timeline extensions or a million revisions. That makes so much sense. And I just think it's something that we've been talking about establishing at Dean Street Law in my own business. So it's super helpful. And I think it's helpful for everybody to hear how to establish boundaries because truly especially as a startup within the first five years, I think it's very difficult for people to realize that there can be a boundary. You can have a maximum capacity because I know that that's something that I always push myself of what my max capacity is. So that's super insightful and helpful. And to loop back um, into the brand building and the process that you take your clients through, you know, once you have more of that information about the messaging and their ideal client, what sort of research did you mention that you do to really flesh out who their ideal client is and how to speak to them? Well, I do um, collect a lot of their testimonials, actually, to see what their past clients have said about them and parts of the process that have stuck out to them so that I make sure that I build that into the copy um, I also do a lot of research on social media just to see who's already following them um, and, you know, how they speak and how they talk to their audience. Um, so it's a lot of listening um, to everything around me, really. That's super helpful. I feel like these are all the things that people don't realize go into the brand building process because, a lot of people say, I need a website, I want to hire a designer. And then I think they get like a little bit of sticker shock, right? Sometimes if it's their first time doing it, not realizing how much it costs, because I think there's a lack of information as to how much really goes 
into the brand building process before you even move a picture around on your software. Yeah. And I want, I know it's a, a big investment. And so I want someone to trust that we know what we're doing. Um, and I was a little bit scared to kind of institute those boundaries um, earlier this year when I was streamlining my process. But I've just found that clients are so much more excited to get started and work with me. And they trust me so much more during the process because they're confident that I know what I'm doing. Um, and they're not going to have to come back to me in a few months and, and have it redone or go to another designer and have it redone. And I think um, either certain people haven't ever invested in something like that before, so they don't understand what goes into it, or they've had absolutely nightmare experiences and they're just trying to avoid um, you know, a website that takes forever or having to redo something or not getting files and all of those kind of uh, nightmarish things that can go on in this industry. Absolutely. And once you've gathered that research, can you share with us what it looks like to then go into the brand building phase and how that influences your brand building? Well, we're paying attention to, um, to really just an overall vibe and aesthetic. Um, we always start with um, having our clients build a mood board as well that we can contribute to. Um, and we source images from that and colors from that and fonts from that. Um, and we like to just take inspiration from, you know, everywhere from, from things that they love and um, things that inspire them and, and where they see the brand going, um, you know, down the line. So um, it's, it can be a very kind of visual process, but, you know, we're also writing the copy too. So we have the, the copy and the words and all of that to kind of guide us through that process too. That's amazing. And I also think just with everything you were saying, I think that there's also like a level of transparency too between you and the client when there's like set dates and everything like that. So I just feel like that makes the process of working together easier for everyone because it is just so clear. So I think everything that you're doing is just seriously so amazing. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit because you started this business just you, but now you've been able to scale and bring on a team. Can you talk a little bit about what that's been like? If you have any leadership tips for everyone? Um, I guess my, my biggest tip would be to, to hire someone that maybe works with someone else that you know, that you know comes recommended. Um, I've heard a lot of horror stories of people hiring, you know, white label or subcontractors and, um, you know, them not doing the work or, um, just other, you know, nightmarish type things. So, um, the very first girl that I hired actually worked with another designer who was a close friend of mine. So, um, I had seen the work that she, you know, was doing, I knew how she worked with that other designer. And so that was a very, um, easy hire for me. Um, she is our uh, brand designer on staff. So um, as I became you know, more known for doing the websites and the copy, I knew that my hand really didn't need to be in the brand design and creating the graphics you know, 100%. So uh, she came on our staff, um, I guess about a year and a half ago, um, and she designs uh, all of our brands and the graphics that go with them. Um, and she's 
a, a total expert and, and genius at what she does. And then that gives me, um, you know, more time because she doesn't need to be babysat, which I love because I just kind of like self-starter type people. Um, I never started a business to to manage anyone. And I, I'm sure a lot of business owners feel that way that they, they started because they love something or, um, you know, they had a hobby that just started making money and they didn't, they didn't grow it or, or build it with the idea that they would have to now be a boss. So, um, she's a, a self-starter and she's really great. So, um, she was a natural, a natural hire for me. Um, I also brought on a, a VA. So she kind of helps me do all the admin stuff that I don't like to do. And she keeps my inbox looking really nice and, um, keeps me super organized so that I'm not wasting time because I noticed I was a big time waster. Um, and then I hired a third girl that came on, um, and she does coding. So whenever she doesn't work on every project, but whenever a project just needs a little bit more than, um, what I'm interested in doing as far as just design, um, she can kind of come in behind the scenes and, and do some coding and, um, you know, bring a site to the next level if that's something that, that it requires. That's super interesting. And how many hours a week does your VA, which means virtual assistant for those not familiar work and what kind of aspects of your business are you able to hand off to her? So she does, um, five hours a week for me right now, which I realize isn't a lot, but, um, you know, I'm, always trying to figure out different ways that I can get things off my plate. And a lot of that came with, with streamlining my process. You know, I wanted to make sure that, that my process and the way that I work made sense and that it could easily be followed by other people. Um, and so I, I wanted to make sure that all of that made sense, um, before bringing her on for, for too much. Um, but she, um, engages with, um, for me, excuse me on Instagram. So, um, I'm not a big social media person. I don't really like it. So I like to just kind of create the post and write the caption and post it and disappear. And I know that that's not great for social media. So she, um, engages with people and, um, you know, comments on other people's pictures and really just tries to build that sense of community that I find is really important, but I just don't have the mental capacity for, um, and then whenever I post something, I can go on and respond, you know, to my DMs or kind of more things that I need to answer or be there for. She also, like I said, keeps my inbox looking really nice. Um, so uh, I, I would just had like hundreds and hundreds of emails in there that I like. It's like a messy room, like, you know, where everything is, but like no one else could follow like the manic system that you have. So uh, she does that for me. And then really like any other little things I need her to do, posting on Pinterest and scheduling out content, uh, scheduling out blog posts and emails and things like that. She takes care of that too. So cool. I think that that's super expanding for so many people to hear that you're able to hire a virtual assistant for five hours a week because I think a lot of people think I need help, but then have this nervousness that it's going to cost so much because they don't realize that you can hire somebody for, you know, just what you need, which could be five hours or could be 10 hours or, you know, full time, depending on your needs. Yeah, absolutely. And she, um, she works with a couple other, you know, entrepreneurs. So 
Um, I was a little nervous too about saying I only needed five hours. Um, but you know, she's like, Hey, that's, that works out great for me. That's all I really have time for. So, um, but she knows that we have a very, um, open communication, you know, policy and that I'm like, Hey, if you find that you could do a much better job with six (laughs) or, um, you really don't need the time or you find that you're doing things over and over again, that could be automated. Like, let me know. Like I wanted her to be part of making that process even better so that I could have her doing more high level things. If you know, the time allowed for it later. That's great advice. And that makes so much sense. That's something that we do constantly in our business too, you know, on our meetings, um, weekly and just like in our, conversations that we have amongst ourselves. A lot of it is like, are we doing anything too repetitively? Is there something that we can streamline? You know, it's something that we're constantly chasing because no matter how long you've been in the business or what you've done to streamline already, there's almost always an additional something that you can do. Yeah. And I mean, that's what she does, right? Like she is an assistant for other people. So I'm always open to, to hearing what you know, what she thinks or what can be done better. And I have that same policy with everyone on my team. You know, I talk to Kayla, my brand designer and say, Hey, like, does the way that we do things for our clients make sense to you? Like if anything you feel like is repetitive or doesn't serve a purpose, like I want everything to be uh, super intuitive and practical. And so if you find that there's anything that we can do to make things better then you know, I want our team to be part of creating that process too. Absolutely. That makes so much sense. And what is something that you can recommend people when they're looking to get a high conversion rate for their website, or like you said, sort of up leveling their business and, you know, making it a more elevated service? I think just you know, having that confidence and knowing what you do, what you offer people, um, who exactly that person is so that you can speak to them. And then just not being shy to say like, Hey, this is a business and I make money doing this. And so, you know, in order for me to really help you, then I need you to book a consult with me. I need you to book now buy a slot, whatever that call to action looks like. Um, and, just know that you don't have to put a hundred things into your service. If you want to charge a lot of money, you know, sometimes just the experience that you offer um, or the value that it's going to bring someone can be worth, you know, the thousands of dollars that you may charge to work with you. So I think hiding the sale um, and not making it easy for someone to buy um, or being shy about asking for it, and then just not just not putting so much in your service that it also seems super overwhelming. Um, I think those two things can be helpful. Very cool. And um, one question that we always ask everybody is, do you have a? Sorry, my dog keeps dropping her phone. <laughs> do you have a resource in business that you recommend? Whether that's a podcast, a book, or you know someone who you've learned from. I, I always recommend StoryBrand. I think it's a, an absolute great resource and it's, um, you know, a very quick read. So 
Um, I just, you know, it's like 12 bucks or something. It's pretty cheap. You can buy it right on Amazon and grab a highlighter and you're going to probably end up marking up the whole thing. Um, I would recommend probably reading it once just to read it. And then the second time go in and really digest the information and start making those changes. But, um, I really like how they give actionable advice and they show you exactly what you can do. Cause I think so many people in the entrepreneur space give very like fluff advice and with like a clickbait type title. So you think you're going to find out all of the answers to your problems and then you listen to the whole episode or you read the whole book and they don't tell you anything. So, um, that is definitely a no fluff approach to business and messaging. Love it. And so funny. I did the same thing. I, I read it twice right in a row and <laughs> couldn't put it down. And then I actually bought the physical book too. So I was listening via Audible. I listened to it once through, was like, okay, now I need to listen through it a second time. And then I bought the book, the physical book, so that I could write and mark it up because it's so good. It's wild that we both have that as one of our favorite books. So cool. Where can everybody find you if they want to reach out to you, share some love with you? Um, My website is amandabergdesign.com. And then my Instagram is at amandabergdesign. So super simple. Amazing. And her Instagram is so beautiful. Casey is spot on with that. Please DM her. Go to her website if you're interested. We'll have all of the information in the show notes. And huge, huge thank you to you, Amanda, for joining us. We are so, so appreciative of your time. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks, Amanda. Thank you. Thanks, Amanda. Thank you. Thank you everyone so, so much for joining us for this episode of the We Grow Together podcast. It means so much to have all of you supporting us. And literally the biggest compliment you can give us is to share the We Grow Together podcast, text it to someone, share it on your stories, tag us. And you can tag us at Flourish Westchester. And then, of course, you can subscribe, rate, and review. That would mean so much to us as well. And as a huge thank you to every single person who subscribes, rates, and reviews every single week, we give away a free month at Flourish. And even if you're not in Westchester, you'll get free access to the workshops we've done, like the social media management workshop and the money management workshop. So we have tons of goodies for you and we announce a winner every single week. So when you subscribe, rate and review, be sure that you leave some way for us to contact you, whether that be your Instagram handle or whatnot in your review. And we announce the winners every week on our social media at Flourish Westchester and also in the show notes. So if you're curious, if you know who's been the winner for this week, just scroll down to the show notes and you'll see. And you can also find me on Instagram and TikTok at Laura M. Francesco. And you can find me, Lindsay, at Sweet Green Soul. Me, Casey, at Casey Flew. And I'm super curious, Lindsay. So now that we have talked with Amanda, what were some of your takeaways and what are you about to head to the Flourish and DSL websites to do? I think that my favorite takeaway was 
And this didn't so much have to do with Dean Street Law or Flourish, but my number one takeaway was definitely when you're building a website, not to make it about you. Because whenever I'm doing it, I'm always like, oh, well, do I like that? Does that look pretty to me? So I feel like now when I go back and revisit, it'll be really helpful for me to think about like, what does our customer want to see and like, what would they like? So I feel like it's really cool to have that perspective shift. And then also I, something that she mentioned that I want to apply to Flourish and Dean Street Law is to make sure that your messaging isn't like as textbook um, and is more like conversationable. So like how we speak on our Instagram is kind of how I want to reflect that on our website and just making everything like super clear and concise. Love it. What was your favorite takeaway, Casey? Oh, there were so many. I think that my favorite thing she spoke about was making sure that you are delivering what you're good at and not kind of, you know, going over the top with a bunch of different things. So, you know, making sure your offerings are really clear and they're within your, your niche and your specialization instead of offering a bunch of different things, because I think that that and how she mentions it is it builds trust for your customer when they're like, okay, they're an expert in this. I'm going to hire them for this instead of being kind of good at a bunch of different things, you know? Yeah. I think that makes so much sense. And my favorite was really how she talked about streamlining her business and creating boundaries and really amping up that customer experience. Because I really do think having worked with a few service providers where their services and their communication is so streamlined, it does make me feel better working with them. And so that's something that I really want to be cognizant about as I am creating my own brand and business with Dean Street Law and continuing to revise that because it's so interesting. I've been a lawyer for what, eight years now. And I've worked with multi-billion dollar contracts and multi-billion dollar clients. And yet these are so many things that attorneys just don't do because their time is so valuable. And so because everybody in the legal field, at least, is so focused on their billable hours, their billable hours, are you doing actual work? No one actually pauses to think and consider what the customer experience is going through that and how you can really develop a really unique customer experience through the service process by streamlining things, not even by making it more complicated, but actually by streamlining things, how that you're using that to create such a more significant customer experience. I mean, that's just revolutionary for the legal industry. And that's so much of what I see innovation is, is innovation isn't coming up this wildly crazy idea, although it is that, right? Like there is, there are people going to Mars and there are people who are creating artificial intelligence for sure. But then there's everyday innovation that tends to add up over time to create a more valuable company. And so for me, that's taking ideas from different industries and different entrepreneurs and thinking, how can I apply that in my own business and in my own life? And, you know, using those elements that are so present when you work with a designer or a photographer and saying, okay, let's flip the legal industry on its head and start creating those experiences in the legal industry. 
So true, Lar. And her her business is so inspirational to look at and just hear from her because she has made it so extremely efficient. And like you said, I think it also just makes it a good customer experience and also a better experience for you as the service provider. It's better for everyone. I think that that's the amazing part too about being an entrepreneur is that we're always looking to be better than we were yesterday. So the fact that like we're all here, like it would be so boring if we were the same exact company for our entire existence. Like it's really cool as a small business owner and as an entrepreneur that you can come in like the next day and be like, okay, like what can we do differently and how can we make this better? Oh, absolutely. That's one of my favorite parts of being an entrepreneur and being in business. I mean, I think I was in listening to an interview with Susie Batiste on a podcast and it was funny how they, I think it's from the good life. And it was funny how they talked about how business is really the field on which the entrepreneur plays to continuously improve, right? The entrepreneur is just looking to continuously improve and business is just the aspect that they do that through. And I just thought that was so fascinating. I was like, oh yeah, that's for sure me. (laughs) hundred percent. I love that. That's a really unique way to look at it. And I think it is super true looking at like all individuals that are entrepreneurs. Awesome. Well, thank you everybody so much for joining us. I hope you have the most amazing week and we will catch you next time. See everyone. Bye. Bye guys. Dean Street Law is our sister company. I'm Laura DeFrancesco, founder and CEO of Dean Street Law. It's a corporate law firm that helps you with everything corporate law and has tons of free resources and guides on our website that you can find everything from protecting your company from liability, forming a startup, and the different types of entities, all the way to intellectual property and social media. So if you'd like some free information on the legal aspects of your business, head over to deanstreetlaw.com. And you can also find us on Instagram at deanstreetlaw. We provide a lot of free information. And always feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions. Thank you, everybody, for joining us this week. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks, guys. (laughs)